Chapter seventy one of the Vicar of Bullhampton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Vicar of Bullhampton by Anthony Trollope. Chapter seventy one. The end of Mary Lowther's story. Sir Gregory Marrable's headache was not of long duration. Allusion is here made to that especial headache under the acute effects of which he had taken so very unpromising a farewell of his nephew and heir it lasted however for two or three days during which he had frequent consultations with mrs brownlow and had one conversation with edith he was disappointed sorry and sore at heart because the desire on which he had set his mind could not be fulfilled but he was too weak to cling either to his hope or to his anger his own son had gone from him and this young man must be his heir and the owner of dunripple no doubt he might punish the young man by excluding him from any share of ownership for the present but there would be neither comfort nor advantage in that it is true that he might save any money that walter would cost him and give it to edith but such a scheme of saving for such a purpose was contrary to the old man's nature he wanted to have his heir near him at dunripple he hated the feeling of desolation which was presented to him by the idea of dunripple without some young male marable at hand to help him he desired unconsciously to fill up the void made by the death of his son with as little trouble as might be and therefore he consulted mrs brownlow mrs brownlow was clearly of opinion that he had better take his nephew with the encumbrance of mary lowther and make them both welcome to the house we have all heard so much good of miss lowther you know said mrs brownlow and she is not at all the same as a stranger that is true said sir gregory willing to be talked over and then you know who can say whether edith would ever have liked him or not you never can tell what way a young woman's feelings will go on hearing this sir gregory uttered some sound intended to express mildly a divergence of opinion he did not doubt but what edith would have been quite willing to fall in love with walter had all things been comfortable to her doing so mrs brownlow did not notice this as she continued at any rate the poor girl would suffer dreadfully now if she were allowed to think that you should be divided from your nephew by your regard for her indeed she could hardly stay at dunripple if that were so mrs brownlow in a mild way suggested that nothing should be said to edith and sir gregory gave half a promise that he would be silent but it was against his nature not to speak when the moment came the temptation to say something that could be easily said and which would produce some mild excitement was always too strong for him my dear he said one evening when edith was hovering round his chair you remember what i once said to you about your cousin walter about captain marrable uncle well he is just the same as a cousin it turns out that he is engaged to marry another cousin mary lowther she is his real cousin uncle gregory i never saw the young lady that i know of nor have i but i've heard so much about her and everybody says she is nice i hope they'll come and live here i don't know yet my dear he told me all about it when he was here told you he was going to be married no uncle he did not tell me that exactly but he said that that he told me how much he loved mary lowther and a great deal about her and i felt sure it would come so then you are aware that what i had hinted about you and walter don't talk about that uncle gregory i know that it was ever so unlikely and i didn't think about it you are so good to me that of course i couldn't say anything but you may be sure he is ever so much in love with miss lowther and i do hope we shall be so fond of her sir gregory was pacified and his headache for the time was cured he had had his little scheme and it had failed edith was very good and she should still be his pet and his favourite 
but walter marrable should be told that he might marry and bring his bride to dunripple and that if he would sell out of his regiment the family lawyer should be instructed to make such arrangements for him as would have been made had he actually been a son there would be some little difficulty about the colonel's rights but the colonel had already seized upon so much that it could not but be easy to deal with him on the next morning the letter was written to walter by mrs brownlow herself about a week after this mary lowther who was waiting at loring with an outward show of patience but with much inward anxiety for further tidings from her lover received two letters one from walter and the other from her friend janet fenwick the reader shall see those and the replies which mary made to them and then our whole story will have been told as far as the loves and hopes and cares and troubles of mary lowther are concerned bullhampton first september dearest mary i write a line just because i said i would frank went up to london last week and was away one sunday he found his poor friend in town and was with him for two or three days he has made up his mind to let the privets and go abroad and nothing that frank could say would move him i do not know whether it may not be for the best we shall lose such a neighbour as we never shall have again he was the same as a brother to both of us and i can only say that loving him like a brother i endeavoured to do the best for him that i could this i know that nothing on earth shall ever tempt me to set my hand at match-making again but it was alluring the idea of bringing my two dearest friends near me together if you have anything to tell me of your happiness i shall be delighted to hear it i will not set my heart against this other man but you can hardly expect me to say that he will be as much to me as might have been that other god bless you your most affectionate friend janet fenwick i must tell you the fate of the chapel they are already pulling it down and carting away the things to the other place they are doing it so quick that it will all be gone before we know where we are i own i am glad as for frank i really believe he'd rather let it remain but this is not all the marquis has promised that we shall hear from him in a spirit of kindness i wonder what this will come to it certainly was not a spirit of kindness that made him write to the bishop and call frank an infidel and this was the other letter barracks first september eighteen sixty blank dearest love i hope this will be one of the last letters i shall write from this abominable place for i am going to sell out at once it is all settled and i am to be a sort of deputy squire at dunripple under my uncle as that is to be my fate in life i may as well begin it at once but that's not the whole of my fate nor the best of it you are to be admitted as deputy squiress or rather as squiress-in-chief seeing that you will be mistress of the house dearest mary may i hope that you won't object to the promotion i have had a long letter from mrs brownlow and i ran over yesterday and saw my uncle i was so hurried that i could not write from dunripple i would send you mrs brownlow's letter only perhaps it would not be quite fair i dare say you will see it some day she says ever so much about you and as complimentary as possible and then she declares her purpose to resign all rights honours pains privileges and duties of mistress of dunripple into your hands as soon as you are mrs marrable and this she repeated yesterday with some stateliness and a great deal of high-minded resignation but i don't mean to laugh at her because i know she means to do what is right my own own mary write me a line instantly to say that it is right and to say also that you agree with me that as it is to be done twere well it were done quickly yours always with all my heart w m it was of course necessary that mary should consult with her aunt before she answered the second letter of that which she received from mrs fenwick she determined to say nothing why should she ever mention to her aunt again a name so painful to her as that of mr gilmore the thinking of him could not be avoided 
in this the great struggle of her life she had endeavoured to do right and yet she could not acquit herself of evil but the pain though it existed might at least be kept out of sight and so you are to go and live at dunripple at once said miss marrable i suppose we shall oh well it's all right i'm sure of course there is not a word to be said against it i hope sir gregory won't die before the colonel that's all the colonel is his father you know i hope there may not come to be trouble about it that's all i shall be very lonely but of course i had to expect that you'll come to us aunt sarah you'll be as much there as here thank you dear i don't quite know about that sir gregory is all very well but one does like one's own house from all which mary understood that her dear aunt still wished that she might have had her own way in disposing of her niece's hand as her dear friends at bullhampton had wished to have theirs the following were the answers from mary to the two letters given above loring third september eighteen sixty blank dear janet i am very 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 sorry i do not know what more i can say i meant to do well all through when i first told mr gilmore that it could not be as he wished it i was right when i made up my mind that it must be so at last i was right also i fear i cannot say so much of myself as to that middle step which i took thinking it was best to do as i was bidden i meant to be right but of course i was wrong and i am very very sorry nevertheless i am much obliged to you for writing to me of course i cannot but desire to know what he does if he writes and seems to be happy on his travels pray tell me i have much to tell you of my own happiness though in truth i feel a remorse at being happy when i have caused so much unhappiness walter is to sell out and to live at dunripple and i am also to live there when we are married i suppose it will not be long now i am writing to him to-day though i do not yet know what i shall say to him sir gregory has assented and arrangements are to be made and lawyers are to be consulted and we are to be what walter calls deputy squire and squiress at dunripple mrs brownlow and edith brownlow are still to live there but i am to have the honour of ordering the dinner and looking wise at the housekeeper of course i shall feel very strange at going into such a house to you i may say how much nicer it would be to go to some place that walter and i could have to ourselves as you did when you were married but i am not such a simpleton as to repine at that so much has gone as i would have it that i only feel myself to be happier than i deserve what i shall chiefly look forward to will be your first visit to dunripple your most affectionate friend mary lowther the other letter as to which mary had declared that she had not as yet made up her own mind when she wrote to mrs fenwick was more difficult in composition loring second september eighteen sixty blank dearest walter so it is all settled and i am to be a deputy squiress i have no objection to urge as long as you are the deputy squire i will be the deputy squiress for your sake my dearest i do most heartily rejoice that the affair is settled i think you will be happier as a country gentleman than you would have been in the army and as dunripple must ultimately be your home i will say our home perhaps it is as well that you and i also should know it as soon as possible of course i am very nervous about mrs brownlow and her daughter but though nervous i am not fearful and i shall prepare myself to like them as to that other matter i hardly know what answer to make on so very quick a questioning it was only the other day that it was decided that it was to be and there ought to be breathing time before one also decides when but dear walter i will do nothing to interfere with your prospects let me know what you think yourself but remember in thinking that a little interval for purposes of sentiment and of stitching is always desired by the weaker vessel on such an occasion god bless you my own one yours always and always m l 
in real truth i will do whatever you bid me of course after that the marriage was not very long postponed walter marrable allowed that some grace should be given for sentiment and some also for stitching but as to neither did he feel that any long delay was needed a week for sentiment and two more for the preparation of bridal adornments he thought would be sufficient there was a compromise at last as is usual in such cases and the marriage took place about the middle of october no doubt at that time of year they went to italy but of that the present narrator is not able to speak with any certainty this however is certain that if they did travel abroad mary marrable travelled in daily fear lest her unlucky fate should bring her face to face with mr gilmore wherever they went their tour in accordance with a contract made by the baronet was terminated within two months for on christmas day mrs walter marrable was to take her place as mistress of the house at the dinner-table the reader may perhaps desire to know whether things were made altogether smooth with the colonel on this matter messrs block and curling the family lawyers encountered very much trouble indeed the colonel when application was made to him was as sweet as honey he would do anything for the interests of his dearest son there did not breathe a father on earth who cared less for himself or his own position but still he must live he submitted to messrs block and curling whether it was not necessary that he should live messrs block and curling explained to him very clearly that his brother the baronet had nothing to do with his living or dying and that towards his living he had already robbed his son of a large property at last however he would not make over his life interest in the property as it would come to him in the event of his brother dying before him except on payment of an annuity on and from that date of two hundred pounds a year he began by asking five hundred pounds and was then told that the captain would run the chance and would sue his father for the twenty thousand pounds in the event of sir gregory dying before the colonel now the narrator will bid adieu to mary lowther to loring and to dunripple the conduct of his heroine as depicted in these pages will he fears meet with the disapprobation of many close and good judges of female character he has endeavoured to describe a young woman prompted in all her doings by a conscience wide awake guided by principle willing if need be to sacrifice herself struggling always to keep herself from doing wrong but yet causing infinite grief to others and nearly bringing herself to utter shipwreck because for a while she allowed herself to believe that it would be right for her to marry a man whom she did not love End of chapter seventy one